0: hi guys welcome back to dissecting dexter i'm your host gareth watkins coming to you as ever from the mobile studio deep in the heart of good old north yorkshire england where it's very windy but it's sunny it's not as cold as it has been. I know we talk about the weather, don't we, most weeks. <laughs> Indulge me again, because it's been shocking lately. We've had gale force winds, rain driving so hard it's almost horizontal. And it's been cold. We've had the fire lit at home uh, for the last few days. is to sort of try and stay warm in the evening, because the radiators just don't seem to be doing a good enough job. Uh, and it was only this time last year when we had all that snow... You may recall from the season five podcasts how I was bemoaning the fact that we were snowed in and oh we must have had about 10 inches of snow. But this year we've, well we had that, (laughs) we had a brief blizzard last week but it didn't come to anything. And uh, it's just been wet and windy and but the sun's shining at the moment and thankfully the rain isn't falling at the moment as it was last week. Crikey, I listened back to a bit of that from last week and the rain was drowning out the sound of my voice, wasn't it? So I hope it didn't spoil your enjoyment too much. This week, we are one week away from the end of season six. It is, well, it should be quite an exciting time and there is a good level of excitement. But this latest episode, I've got mixed feelings about it and I'm going to get into that, of course, uh, in the review that's coming up in a minute. Just a couple of things I wanted to mention before we get into that. First, uh, if you're a regular visitor to the Facebook page, and you may have seen it um, pop by on the Twitter feed as well, I mentioned a cafe press shop that I'd set up. Um, I was interested in, well, originally just for myself, (laughs) actually, as sad as that might sound, I fancied having a t-shirt with the podcast logo on it which is a bit self-indulgent, but I thought, I wonder if I was to go to the trouble of of putting a, a, a simple design together on Cafe Press, because I've, I've used them before. I wonder if anyone else would be interested in maybe having a t-shirt or a mug or, I don't know, a shot glass or something with the podcast logo on it. Uh, so I, I set up a shop with a few products on there, and to cut the story short, the designs were pulled because the podcast logo they say contravenes uh, well, it's copyright infringement. And of course, I I do kind of replicate the Dexter logo, um, even though the font used for the word Dexter is widely available. Uh, but I kind of use that blood spatter, don't I, underneath as well. So I can kind of understand it. I th- <laughs> Obviously, it sucks at the same time, but uh, maybe I need to revisit that and try and put something together that, you know, maybe talks to them and see if I can do some sort of design that doesn't step on anybody's toes. Uh, so watch this space. I've obviously had to pull the shop in the meantime. Uh, pull it before it even began. <laughs> but there we go. The other thing is I was a guest on the Potterage podcast again this week. Uh, we recorded last night. And had a great time chatting to Heath and Axel, both of whom have been guests on this podcast before. So I was very happy to join them and have a chat about, oh, we talked about all sorts of things. Uh, Christmas came up, of course. Uh, We also focused quite a bit on Sons of Anarchy. Uh, The season four uh, finale was last week. We talked about that. We also talked about a few of the other new TV shows that have been on this autumn including american horror story and boss and i talked about the premiere episode of luck the new hbo series uh, I talked about that a bit as well uh, so if you're interested in hearing me ramble on about other non-dexter topics as i often do in this intro um, then check out the podtourage feed it's on itunes It's spelt P-O-D-T-O-U-R-A-G-E. If you search for that and look for episode 4.8, and that's the one. Uh, The episode title is Sons. Uh, So, check that out. Right, okay, back to Dexter. Season 6, episode 11. Episode title, Talk to the Hand. Original air date, the 11th of November. No, that's not right. 11th of December 2011 (laughs) written by Mani Koto and Tim Schlattman and directed by Ernest Dickerson okay let's get stuck in now I've got to get this out there before I go on there was a moment this week when I thought the show was going to jump the shark. You know the bit I mean and thank whatever higher power is out there that she was only dreaming. But I looked at my wife pleadingly as we were getting close-ups of Dexter's mouth as if as if my wife could do something to stop what I what I feared might happen. <laughs> If I'd paused to think about it, I'd have had more faith that the writers wouldn't do something so crass and shit so as to properly screw up the show that I love and podcast about every week. But I was so overtaken by the rising panic that I nearly had palpitations. (laughs) Anyway, we'll get to all that. I want to talk about Dexter's activity this week because there was quite a bit of action and not all of it made sense to me. In fact, the whole episode was a mixed bag, with some good and some not so much like the season, really. But let's start at the very beginning. I'm still not entirely clear why Travis had to kill Holly Benson. She didn't end up being part of a tableau, and up until her, all the killings had been to that end. Part of the symbolic, or religiously symbolic tableaus. Maybe she was just to break in the new disciples, but it seemed a bit spiteful to go back and kill her just because i'm not sure spiteful is the exact right word i'm looking for but i hope you get what i'm saying it didn't fit with the clear agenda they'd already laid out maybe it was symbolic of the order that was in his head with the split personality thing if it can be described as order but now that's gone travis's dark passenger can run riot and deviate from the plan similar in a way to dexter if he doesn't keep his own passenger in check with the code he could be overtaken by it and kill with gay abandon anyway Travis it seemed was able to convince Beth to give up her life for his cause now I can understand people being brainwashed into thinking they're making some grand sacrifice but really was her life that crap that not 24 hours after meeting this guy she's ready to give her life for him and leave her boyfriend or husband was it I can't remember (laughs) I suppose it doesn't matter now but she doesn't She doesn't know he's dead yet and it seems amazing to me that these were the third people Travis looked at on the Geller blog and these two are willing to kill and die for him. I know nut jobs exist out there but really, I know it serves the plot and the time we have left for them to be like this but it just stretches it a bit for me. That said, Yes, it is a TV show, but I do think they should endeavour to maintain believability and plausibility as much as possible. As Travis was talking to Beth, he sounded like Geller talking, or at least the Geller we saw. She seemed unsure about killing Holly last week, and I thought maybe she'd be the weak link, but no, she's happy to go and kill herself, and who knows how many others. Travis alluded that while she would be dying, he'd not be too far behind. We've mentioned before that the witnesses in the book of Revelation don't survive, so we expect that Travis himself anticipates dying in the end, presumably as part of a tableau. I'm not sure what the plan would have been if Batista hadn't stumbled into his path. It seemed to give Travis the idea to stage something at the police station, but we were right about Quinn saving the day, or at least saving Batista. (laughs) And why bloody not? (laughs) He needed to do something right. But it was only because he was late as a result of his continued debauchery, his drunken drunkenness. Did you think the fire was lit a bit fast and Quinn put it out a bit easily? Travis had maybe 20 seconds from seeing Quinn outside to when he escaped out of the window. I feel like I'm nitpicking, but it's a couple more things that just tarnish my enjoyment a little. And here's another. When Quinn spoke to Deb from the Dorsey house, why didn't he mention the girl, Beth? Batista would have told him Travis wasn't working alone. They'd need to know who they should be looking for. They could have distributed her picture That's quite a key bit of information, and might have had Deb maybe hesitate more when she got back to the office later and see uh, see Beth. It seemed a deliberate move by the writers not to have Quintella, and it doesn't make any sense in any sort of from any sort of viewpoint of realism. And as for Quinn and Batista, it looks like their bromance is well and truly over, which was kind of fun at times, but it's another kick in the teeth for Quinn. But none of what happened so far today would have been possible had Dexter not called the police. I was half expecting Harry to appear looking smug and saying, I told you so. We said last week that this was quite a significant thing for Dexter to do. We said how if he'd done it in years gone by, certain people would still be alive. However, we appreciate it went against his killer activities, so it was good for him to realise that his action in calling the police really paid off and saved the life of someone he knows. I like the moment of tension in the office, Dexter looking on the computer while Beth was approaching Deb. I knew he'd see the photo and save Deb, but it was a good scene with him charging through and shoving Beth in the interview room. And I'm glad Dexter felt the effects of the gas because... That room wouldn't have been airtight, so it made sense for him to have inhaled some. He seemed to struggle to tell Deb how he knew about it, though. And he could have said, simply said, he saw her press a button on a backpack and put the two together, which was true. When that EMT was telling Dexter about suffering dizziness and nosebleeds, did you think, like, that's not going to come back and bite him later? (laughs) I really liked the moment between Deb and Dexter after this.
1: How did you know that crazy bitch was a threat? It's
2: luck, I guess.
1: <laughs> Fuck luck, I'll take you. Dex, you saved a lot of lives today.
3: You saved my life.
2: I'd never let anything
1: happen to you.
3: Come
0: here. He was really sincere when he said he'd never let anything happen to her. And she closed her eyes as she held him. That was sweet. He really is her rock. There was a scene with Harrison and Jamie where we hear there's a Noah's Ark event at the nursery soon. It seemed a bit random, but I wonder if the biblical flood associated with Noah will come into play next week. Maybe Travis will do something crazy and leave the taps on. (laughs) If not, it did seem like an odd thing to have in the script. Or maybe that's where the finale next week will end, with Dexter at the nursery, dressed as an animal, just doing something dad-like and supporting his son, accompanied maybe, maybe, (laughs) maybe by some philosophical Dexter voiceover. We learned about the next tableau, the Lake of Fire, that the devil is cast in there. I've done a little reading of my own and found that the Book of Revelation talks about the devil, or the beast, being cast into the Lake of Fire along with the false prophet, obviously we didn't need to stretch ourselves to predict that Dexter could end up being part of this next tableau. Travis has called him the false prophet before and it makes total sense now we're at the end of the season for this to happen. I liked Dexter setting up the hand at the statue although he took a big risk of exposure in such a public place and it won't have been a two minute job. I did find it a bit unbelievable that the TV news would show the severed hand and blood all over that statue. Especially the hand. It was daytime TV, wasn't it? To show something so graphic and bloody. I don't think it would have happened on British TV news if it happened in our country, in this country. Travis obviously needed to get the message, but he could have just heard them. Heard the reporter talking about the hand being Geller's. Dexter sending the video message to Travis was a bit risky. When it's all done, that's evidence he's left that he won't be able to erase. For all he knows, Travis might download it to a laptop, or an online Dropbox, or he'll lose his phone. Maybe someone else will find it and see the video. Many possibilities for exposure and discovery there. And that painting! I just knew Dexter's face would end up on there. How's he going to explain that one? You know, it could all unravel very quickly for him. How would Travis know Dexter? I suppose Dexter could say maybe Travis targeted him after he heard Dexter was the one to foil the gas attack. Dexter was bloody foolish to try and take out Travis with him still suffering the dizziness. He'd have been better off staying in the shadows. Better to live to fight another day. The set-up at the end, with Dexter on the boat, petrol all around... It made me think of a cliffhanger on one of those old Saturday morning adventure serials. The likes of Flash Gordon with Buster Crab. You remember that? (laughs) That kind of thing. I didn't think we'd see Dexter swim out until next week, but the explosion was quite impressive. But now Travis has his boat, and there's still a kill room set up on the other boat back at the marina.
2: I thought I was headed in the right direction. My dark passenger back behind the wheel. But if I was so sure I knew where I was going, how did I get so lost?
0: Interesting comment from Dexter there, reflecting on where he is, metaphorically speaking. He's been kind of lost all season, considering new concepts. It's knocked him off his game after we saw how settled he was, or seemed to be, in the season premiere. It was probably necessary, if his character was going to make any further progress, though... But he realises now that he has been off his game and it's ended up with him here, floating in the ocean, a crazy serial killer sailing away in his boat. And now he's got a quite a swim to do, which isn't going to be easy when we know any physical exertion will result in dizziness and nosebleeds, as that EMT so helpfully told us. Elsewhere this week, the Matthews subplot took a not surprising turn. As Deb and Matthews reached an understanding, LaGuerta sticks her boot in and screws them both. Deb could put LaGuerta at risk by convincing Matthews, who told the bosses about the cool girl. And I don't think he'd be too happy or too surprised. With nothing to lose, could he end up doing LaGuerta some serious harm? Maybe this is something that will maybe span into next season. But let's get to the crux of the episode for me. (sighs) The psychiatrist. She'd been doing Deb some good. But what the hell did she think she was doing? Implying Deb's in love with her brother? I was expecting Deb to punch her lights out at the mere suggestion. I turned to my wife and said, wait for it. I don't know if this was a genuinely logical step for a psychiatrist to take. Or or whether it was a, a plot device by the writers to mess with Deborah's head. But I really took offence at this. The suggestion that there is even a hint of incestuous feelings between these two. It's something I've never once considered and I've never heard anyone else suggest. It's ludicrous. I think it's more a case of Dexter being a stable, ever-present male figure. He's the only family she has. Alright, she has a nephew, but she can't exactly lean on Harrison, can she? Deborah's had daddy issues and has needed that male rock. Why can't she just be close to Dexter without any suggestion of sexual attraction? Honestly, it really left me with a very bitter taste in my mouth. And then they had Deb, dreaming about kissing him. That whole noodle scene made me feel ill. I was quietly praying to the gods of television that they wouldn't go down this road. And I was so, so glad when we saw it was a dream. I guess it's part of them sowing the seeds for the end game. and having Deb discover Dexter's secret, but... At the moment, I don't see why they needed to play this card. I can see it's going to mess with her head, and maybe that's the purpose of this, to confuse her about how she feels. I just hope it's going somewhere. That isn't just a cheap attempt at shocking us. I have to say, I, I like Jennifer Carpenter's performance in the psychiatrist scene. She was as incredulous as I am, and me, having had this rant now, something tells me... Yeah, something tells me the writers know exactly what they're doing with this. We've said before, trust the show. But blimey, that's bloody hard when they're playing the incest card. They need to redeem themselves here and have it go somewhere sensible. But moving on just briefly to Lewis. Not too much about him this week, but we did see him packing up the prosthetic hand to send to Dexter, having first drawn lifelines and stuff on the palm. Seriously strange. He was wearing latex gloves while he drew too. Obviously he doesn't want Dexter to dust for prints and find he handled it. But just about those lines he drew on the palm. Now I'm, I'm not a palmist and I've not done any research but some of the lines on the hand were in different colours. Now I don't know if anyone who knows, you know, any listeners who know anything about this sort of thing can maybe look at where the different coloured lines were and maybe maybe have some understanding of what those specific lines meant was it black and orange maybe the orange line specifically means something and might give us a clue as to what the connection might be i guess we'll we'll find out on sunday when the finale comes along but for now i'm sure there's a clue there just thinking back to how brian in season one sent dexter these messages and and sort of puzzles for dexter to figure out but back to lewis It still begs the question, why all this? What's his agenda and motivation? We're so close to the end of the season now and we still know nothing about his background that it really looks like his arc is going to stretch into next season. Maybe there will be a connection to Brian that some of you have theorised.
2: Don't follow me. Follow the podcast. Get on Twitter and follow... At Dissect Dexter.
0: Overall, this was a strange episode. It was faster paced, there was quite a bit of action, but there were a few too many negatives for my liking. The incest thing was the big off putter for me. But if it goes somewhere meaningful and isn't just a throwaway for shock value, I might be able to forgive them. Quinn not telling Deb about Beth's involvement was annoying and felt like a deliberate plot point to ease Beth's passage to Deb's office. But there was sloppiness with Dexter sending the video message and continuing with his assault on Travis, while his head was clearly spinning with dizziness. That was so foolish. And the painting with Dexter's face wasn't so much a negative from the writers, because it made sense for Travis to do that. But it's something else that leaves Dexter at risk of exposure. Actually, I should remind myself that I do especially enjoy the show when Dexter's in danger of discovery. And we see pieces being set up where there's evidence out there that implicate him. Things that are outside of Dexter's control. So with this in mind, there's perhaps good reason to still be excited for what's to come. And that's not to mention what's going on with Lewis. But enough from me. What did you think?
1: Listener Feedback.
0: Alright, on to your feedback. Firstly, a shout-out to a few new iTunes reviews that I've spotted. Firstly, thanks to Creative Thieves, who, in their five-star review, made specific mention to our caller, Travis. Travis and commended him for the quality of his feedback. So well done, Travis. <laughs> nice thumbs up for you, mate. Also thanks to James Johnston, Pittsburgh Mike, Josh from Pittsburgh, Ferret Bite, iPhone Jen, and should I thank this person? <laughs> Someone called Football Punk has left a one-star review on the Canadian iTunes Which uh, took me aback a bit, (laughs) because I thought that was a little bit harsh. (laughs) Alright, my style might not be everyone's cup of tea, but um, I don't know. I guess I shouldn't take it to heart. Uh, Some people do like to just troll, don't they? But what struck me most about what he actually wrote was that he described me as an old man. Christ, do I really sound that old? (laughs) I don't think I do. (laughs) I'm not sure if I've given out my age on the show before. I may have done. (laughs) But um, I I guess you guys in your head might have an idea of how old I might be. (laughs) And and maybe it would surprise you or or not. (laughs) But uh, yeah, I was a little bit offended at being described as an old man. Maybe it's the British accent that (laughs) to uh, to our friend football punk, maybe that made me sound older. I don't know. But, uh, no, not a particularly nice review. But, hey, as I say, I'm not going to appeal to everybody. So, um, you know, I take it on the chin. But it was the old man thing that, <laughs> that got to me. <laughs> OK, so thanks, everyone, for your reviews, uh, good or bad. <laughs> God, I still can't get over that. Right. Feedback in between podcasts. This is all relating to episode 10 from last week. Firstly, just missing the boat uh, for getting on last week's show, Nick Henderson from the 4Player podcast, who also left uh, a nice five-star review on iTunes, so thanks, Nick. He emailed in with, uh, with this, and he says, Ricochet Rabbit is another divisive episode for me. With the big reveal surrounding Geller behind us, this episode felt different from any episode that preceded it. Travis's darkness has shown itself finally, and as a result, it feels like we're watching a brand new character on screen. The dichotomy of these characters is what makes the show so interesting, though. It explains why everyone loved Arthur Mitchell so much, and it remains true with Travis. Bravo to Colin Hanks for his performance. My problems with this episode revolve around the introduction of the two religious nutbags that Travis meets and recruits to his cause. I think the characters are a bit cliché and overacted. I also find his method of finding these two is a bit sloppy, I don't think a meticulous and diabolical serial killer would just trust two people that showed interest in his blog. It's one thing to talk about killing for a cause, but completely different and rare to find someone who is willing to actually act on it. It just seemed weird that it took him all of ten minutes to get online and find someone who was willing to exhibit such loyalty. Just another example of some laziness on the writer's part this season. This episode does represent a positive change for the season however. The episode was tense and focused on setting up the events that will conclude the season. It seems the writers are taking a stab at terrorism with this next tableau, and with Miami Metro being the target of the Wormwood Tableau. I think there are, there are some exciting things on the horizon. I enjoyed the scene between Dexter and Lewis, especially seeing the reaction that he had when he saw himself referenced as a playable character in the game. However, this does sort of suggest that Lewis will amount to little more than a serial killer groupie. I still think there's a great potential for the character, especially if he was written with a Season 7 story arc in mind as well. I think he'll find out about Dexter's secret by the end of the season, but where they take it from there will be where that side story lives or dies. The last scene of this episode was well done, but ended just as things were starting to get good. It was nice to see Dexter finally do the right thing. For a second there, I really thought he was about to make the biggest mistake of his life all over again. After his reaction to Harry's plea, it was good to see him realise this himself. For once, he let his dark passenger take a back seat in favour of doing what was necessary to ensure the safety of innocent people. For the first time all season, I finally feel tense and unsure of what's going to transpire. I think the next two episodes will be crazy, especially after watching the preview for next week. I'm hoping all the slow build-up will pay off by giving fans what they truly want, a finale that will be worthy of the name Dexter. Thanks, Nick. Great email as always. I personally agree with a lot of what you said there. Just thinking back to my comments from last week, it was a bit naff and a bit convenient that Travis found those people all too quickly and that they were so willing to kill and die for the cause... And I talked a bit about Beth this week with what she did. And you mentioned the change in Travis's character. Most definitely. I said last week that I think the wall that was separating the two personalities, the two sides of him, has just been dismantled and the darkness has flooded his whole being and hence the radical shift in his character. As for Lewis, it really does look like, by all accounts, by all that we've seen, that um, it... was. Well, After all the build-up, it would be a a crime, no pun intended, to wrap him up in the finale. It would be nice, with all the the slow burn with his character and the Ryan Chambers thing that preceded it, that this would be sowing seeds for something that's going to go into next season. And I'd welcome that, I really would. Thanks again, Nick. On to an email from Mike Lanich, who says... <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Short. No, he doesn't say that. It was me coughing. <laughs> he says shortly after sending in my latest feedback to the podcast, something about Lewis, the video game, and Dexter kept bugging me. Something about the scene and Lewis's insistence on Dexter seeing his work was unsettling. And then it hit me. Oh, there goes the helicopter. Can you hear that? Sorry, Mike. How rude of it to interrupt you. Bloody army.
1: <laughs> there it goes
0: touchy helicopter overhead. Where were we? (laughs) Sorry about that. If Lewis had lived in Miami, then why would he ever want to show Dexter a video game where you can be a serial killer, especially Trinity, anyone? I mean, that story was national news, not to mention the media firestorm in Miami. If Dexter's high school classmates knew about it, there's no way that Lewis couldn't have known. So to show Dexter this game sounds at the very least insensitive. And if you're interested in someone who has a history with a serial killer, why not Deb? The ice truck killer's girlfriend and victim. For someone seemingly so obsessed with serial killers and the ice truck killer, you'd think Deb would be someone to talk to about it. I also think Lewis took Dexter's opinion way too hard. There's just too much of a fixation on Dexter, good or bad. The fact that you would take his opinion so hard as to blow off your drop-dead gorgeous girlfriend and run away screams some serious issues at least. Could this have just been a case of the writers not thinking? No. I think Lewis is playing his role well. Geeky, sensitive intern. Right now, nobody suspects a thing, and that's the point. In Ricochet Rabbit, there was a scene where Lewis came over to Dexter, doing something Dexter hasn't done in quite some time. He brought donuts from Dexter's favourite donut shop. Dexter, in a hurry, just brushed him aside, but it left a big impression on me. I felt like the writers were doing a subtle job of inferring something. As part of his mask... Dexter used to do this, and now Lewis is. Coincidence? I think not. Sure, he could have just been trying to butter him up a bit, but isn't that what Dexter was doing? Free donuts plus nice guy equals nobody suspects me. Just some thoughts. Thanks very much, Mike. You're emerging as one of the great Dexter theorists, my friend. <laughs> some good thoughts there, and comments about Lewis especially. And I can't argue with you. And on the back of this latest episode, it only adds to the intrigue and mystique surrounding Lewis. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what's going to come. I have almost 100% confidence that he's, he's not just going to be a, an obsessive serial killer fanboy. Uh, I think it's, going to, it's, it's got to amount to a lot more than that, surely. This has been a nice slow burn and they could really have a good payoff here. Okay, before we get into episode 11 feedback, Linda from Morrow Bay has emailed in again. And she says, just downloaded a whole bunch more of your Dissecting Dexter podcast to listen to, as well as the four newest Waste of Time episodes. I'm looking forward to listening to them. I noticed in the information tab for these, you talk about six feet under, and I'm really looking forward to listening to your take on that show. I watched the entire set of each season earlier this year and really liked it. I was curious to see Michael C. Hall in other roles and the entire thing was really good so it'll be fun to hear you talk about that. Also, I'm looking forward to hearing you discuss current events there in England. I think that's really cool that you do this and every podcast I've heard so far I've enjoyed. About Dexter. One thing I got to thinking about on Ricochet Rabbit that has to do with Harrison was in the scene where Dexter came home to find Jamie and Lewis and Harrison on the couch. It struck me as kind of unusual that Harrison didn't call out Daddy and go running to see him. Don't most kids do that when their mum or dad come home? Lewis is definitely a goon, and I'm continually turning over different scenarios in my mind about what his connection is to Ryan. There were classmates in the beginning when Masuka had the whole class together when he was touring them through the station. So we may find out a connection, since we saw up close and personal the ice truck killer hand right there in his living room. I'm curious about it. I've enjoyed the suspense with this entire season, though it's been slow going, and I expect the next two episodes are going to be really good. Good enough, I will likely buy the DVD set when it comes out in the fall. What I've missed this season is the absence of Asta and Cody. I enjoyed them and hope they come back. Great news, the series is renewed for two more seasons. I'm not at all in a hurry for Deb to find out what her brother does and for it to end. I do hope that on Talk to the Hand, we don't lose Batista. That would be a big loss as I don't want him or any of the detectives to die. And I love his taste in Hawaiian shirts. They're all pretty snazzy dresses. If nothing else, you've got to give them that. (laughs) Thanks, Linda. Regarding the Waste of Time podcasts, I'm very glad that you've been taking a listen to those. I should just warn you um, there was one of the more recent Waste of Times. Uh, I think the episode title is I Predict a Riot. Just a little warning, and I don't think I put a warning in the the show notes. Um, I do talk about the recent UK riots, and I do get a bit wound up about it. And I do say a few naughty four-letter words. Um, Now, I do swear a little bit on here, but I do go off on one a bit on the Waste of Time podcast. So just be forewarned. You're obviously not... Well, you're not... Listeners generally aren't used to me coming out with such expletives, so... Uh, just to sort of let you know about that. Not that I'm suggesting that you would be offended, but, um, you know, you get used to the way somebody talks and and then I come out with all that, so there we go. Just put that out there. Um, Six Feet Under, I'm into season two. I'm about three or four episodes in. Still really enjoying it. Uh, So I've not got too far with the show overall, but, um, yeah, really enjoying it. Your comments on Ricochet Rabbit. I also noticed that about Dexter's interaction or lack of with Harrison. And... There was the same sort of thing this week, where Dexter was packing to go away for, I think he said 48 hours, and he was saying bye to Harrison, and and he was barely looking up at him. Now, he's, what, two and a half years old, is he now? I think, something like that, two years old. He'd have a bit more awareness about who his dad was, and if his dad was saying bye, um... I know, you know, we can forgive child actors, especially one who's as young as the little boy who plays Harrison is, so, you know, I'll cut him some slack, but you're right, the the interaction hasn't been entirely convincing. Although we we can empathise with Dexter's point of view and how he wants to be a good dad, a better dad for Harrison, Uh, there hasn't been that sort of extra touch of believability about their closeness.
1: This is the Dissecting Dexter podcast. It helps me control the chaos.
4: <sighs> this is Kim from Las Vegas. Oh, Gareth, please tell me it's not going to be so. Uh, dead and in love with Dexter. Oh. Please, Gareth,
0: make it go away. Thanks, Kim. You know, your brief but very succinct voicemail pretty much sums up my initial reaction to the you-know-what scene. Okay, so we're moving on now to feedback for episode 11. And if you detect any change in acoustics in the audio quality here now, uh, that's because this is now Wednesday, and as I've talked about before... I do record over a couple of days, so today, Wednesday, I'm actually recording from home, so uh, not in the mobile studio today, so I'm a bit warmer, which is nice. Okay, your comments on Twitter. First, Josh said, just finished episode 11, now that's what I've been waiting for. Wow, finally an episode that started off great and ended great. The last two episodes of Dexter never disappoint. Me and my sister almost went apeshit when Deb had that dream. It felt so weird thanks Josh, yes, it certainly did feel weird <laughs> and yeah, classically or historically the last two episodes of the season usually are pretty good pretty high, pretty much high points for the season as I've talked about this week's was a bit of a mixed bag for me personally and we're going to get into a bit more of your feedback of course and it sounds like it was a bit of a mixed bag for a lot of you guys as well Casper SL said that Deborah and Dexter thing was too weird for me Was that the big reveal they were talking about? I hope not. Now, Casper is referring to... um, I don't think it's a spoiler, because we we expect revelations at the end of the season, don't we? Uh, Sarah Colletton, one of the executive producers, in an interview said that there's a big reveal to come. Honestly, Casper, I don't think this was it. Uh, I think the big reveal... My gut feeling is it's going to be something to do with Lewis. But we shall see. (laughs) Further tweets, it's Tuner Boss. That's a good name, it's Tuner Boss. (laughs) Uh, He said, Is it too early for a season 7 prediction? Ice Truck Killer 2.0 with Lewis is the killer. In fact, I think the season ends with Dex opening the package, after Deb sees him kill Travis, and covers for him of course. Oh man, and if Lewis teases Miami Metro with his video game throughout the season. Interesting theory there. There is a possibility. (laughs) We've talked about, you guys have talked about how corny it would have been if another serial killer had been hiding in plain sight within Miami Metro um, and yeah, if that turns out to be the case, but I don't know if, if they do it well and I like this kind of slow burn that it certainly seems that Lewis has been he was kind of there wasn't he, he was this, initially just this computer geek working with Masuka and he's emerged as a potential big threat he certainly seems to know more about Dexter than he's been letting on more than we know about more than Dexter realises and this video game thing what if that next season could turn out to be something he leaves the police and maybe or leaves Dexter and maybe Dexter has to play the game work his way through the plot of the game to uh, well through the game clues emerge as to what Lewis is up to uh, clues emerge as to who the next victims might be uh, kind of that sort of direction I think that would be interesting I don't think that's been done before on TV or in a film so that would be an original direction for the show to take I think and yeah that's that interests me OK on to your emails Lost Junkie from Norway says first off Dexter equals Houdini moving on pretty weird episode that thing with Deborah I didn't think they'd go there. Perhaps they won't. I don't know, but the thought of it's creepy. I felt relieved when Angel was saved. Good thing he didn't die. Who should be given the save of the week? Quinn or Dexter? I didn't like it when Dexter again started spoon-feeding us on how he was tricking Travis into coming to the marina and that. I mean, yes, we get it. Oh, and Dexter's sending that video to Travis. What if police finds it? Not being careful at all. And what was Lewis doing? I didn't get it, but clearly he's next season material. Oh, and I'm wondering how Dexter will be swimming back to the land with all that nose bleeding and stuff. Well, it's over next week. He's hoping for a great season finale. Thanks, Lost Junkie. Yes, <laughs> I never had any doubt that Dexter would escape that explosion. Travis didn't seem to do a very good job, did he, of binding up Dexter's hands, especially when you consider he probably had plenty of time with Dexter knocked out by the M99. However, that said, in a new interview with Michael C. Hall at AOLTV.com, he says that they're very well aware on the set of the logistical or literal implausibilities of many things that happen on the show. But they do require a certain level of suspension of disbelief by the audience. Which, I don't know, which is fair enough. But, of course, a logistical implausibility is very different to a logical one. And we've had a fair few logical issues this season, haven't we? But that's an interesting interview, that one at AOLTV.com. Go to AOLTV.com and search for Dexter and you'll find it. Alternatively, I've posted it on the uh, podcast Facebook page. Jump onto Facebook, search for Dissecting Dexter and there's a link there. I've also put it in the Twitter feed as well. Uh, back to your email. Yes, yet again the voiceover spoon feathers. But to be fair, there were opportunities for voiceovers elsewhere this week, and they didn't do it. So, so I'd say they didn't do too badly this episode for that.
1: Hi Gareth, it's Tim here. Just calling about this week's episode. Whew, well, had some good scenes, but overall, I'd, I'd call it the worst episode of Dexter yet. Um, I might as well start with the big one. I mean, if at the start of the season I was thinking of scenes that meant the show had jumped the shark, Deb having erotic dreams about Dexter would be would have been at the top of the list. What the hell? Yeah, I know it was just a dream, but it's still rated it as the worst uh, story development in any show I've seen in a long time. Um, what's next? Masuka having a wet dream about Angel? Okay, that probably would be more in character, but this stuff tonight was just terrible. Um, it's funny to think actually that the the two actors uh, Michael C. Hall and um, Carpenter when they had their separation last year they probably said well we're on a show together but at least we're sure we'll never have to do an awkward love scene together wrong um, just other observations and I guess complaints um, just seems for this whole season a few people mentioned that the, the writing's a lot more amateurish and it's just unlikely coincidences and uh, sort of errors. Some of them are nitpicky, but just tonight, even things like uh, when Quinn came in to rescue Angel, and Angel said that uh, Travis had jumped out the window. Quinn gets on the radio and says, uh, "You know, Travis has, has escaped. He's heading west down the street." I mean, unless he's got X-ray vision to see through the walls of the house, all he knows is that the guy had jumped out of the window. It's a bit nitpicky, but They're just adding up more and more each week. Um, Dex, uh, you know, spotting the girl, just walking past that girl that was waiting to see Deb. And, you know, I didn't realise he had such a photographic memory that, you know, from the photo on the computer, he just immediately remembers that it's her. Um, (laughs) You've mentioned the voiceovers, Dexter's internal monologue getting a bit annoying. Uh, That stood out to me tonight especially with the um slice's Life boat that he had in the background of his video, a video, by the way, that is ridiculous for him to even do, to hand, you know, Travis evidence of him getting involved in the investigation in that way. But, yeah, the voiceover when, you know, we already had Travis uh, spotting the slice's Life and saying it out loud, so that we didn't need Dexter's internal monologue saying that he's, he put the boat in the background of the video again. It's just... Too much information there, um, and probably. And the other thing was, I, I don't know about you, but the the finale in the water with with Travis and Dexter was almost comical. Uh, it was almost a comical send up, where, where Travis looked like a second rate Bond villain, where he would uh, you know, give some kind of grandiose speech, and then set his trap for the bad guy, but go off and not actually watch him die. So so his enemy can just escape and <laughs> come back. Oh, I thought it was a bit lame. Um, I actually, I'm actually, actually far more interested in the Lewis uh, storyline. I thought that was a really interesting development. i got no idea where that's, that's going to go, and I find him far more interesting than Travis right now. So, yeah, it looked a bit of a negative call, but um, I just thought I'd uh, share my thoughts on the episode. I really thought it was it's a bit of a low point for the show to be honest tonight. Um, but still, there's one more episode left. There's still a fair bit of drama, so it, it could end well. And yeah, look, to, to me this is going to be a bad season. But I'm still still looking on the positives that every long-running show, almost every show, has a bad season, and this is Dexter's. And I'm still uh, still looking forward to you know the next season. Um, tonight didn't really feel like an episode of Dexter to me. It was more like bad fan f- fan fiction, where they somehow managed to get the real actors to to play the parts. Um, but we'll see how it finishes finishes off next week. Maybe Luqueta will die a horrible death, and then the whole season will be redeemed. Okay, thanks. Long- thanks. Thanks again, Gareth.
0: Thanks, Tim. Don't worry about being too negative. Uh, it's good to get a wide spectrum of opinions for the podcast it's it's all good i certainly don't mind and you know i've, I've been pretty much a negative nancy this week as well uh, i have to agree with you i think the incestuous influences inferences, inferences <laughs> uh, were certainly a low point for this season if not the show as a whole um i've got to have faith that it's leading to something and they're not actually going to follow through with Deb having genuine sexual attraction for Dexter God forbid and you describe this as maybe the worst episode yet I wouldn't go that far Um, the first 10 minutes or so really moved very quickly and apart from that gripe I had about Quinn and how much he told Deb over the phone Uh, I certainly enjoyed the opening this week Uh, and it's funny you mentioned the phrase jump the shark obviously that's (laughs) the three words that I used (laughs) in my review and uh, elsewhere in your voicemail you talk about some of the dodgy writing this season yeah I can see where you're coming from we've picked the writers up quite a few times this year Uh, and maybe in the broad scheme of things we can forgive some of the little slips some of the little weaker points and as Michael C. Hall said they require us to suspend our disbelief to an extent with some of the things in the show. And I can see that, I can understand that. We have to do that a lot with TV shows. I was on, as I mentioned, I was on Podtarage this week and we were talking about that in regard to Sons of Anarchy. Um, you know, it's just another fictional TV show. Uh, it's just part for the course. I think with TV watching we've got to do that. And Dexter is no exception, so... I don't know, should we just be a bit more chilled out? (laughs) Maybe discuss next time. (laughs) On to an email from vet who says, Hi, this is vet from the US, and I've been listening to your show and loving it for the past several months. I haven't felt compelled to write in until now, though. I think we can all agree that this season hasn't been the best. But it didn't get seriously horrible until this latest episode. I think I'm going to have to quit the show if they insist on proceeding with the Deb Dexter pseudo-incest storyline. It's just gross. I couldn't help thinking back to the college psychology classes and the whole Westermark effect. Children raised together, regardless of biological relationship, naturally avoid sexual relationships with each other. Why are they going this route? Ick. As for Travis Marshall and the whole DDK debacle, I just don't care anymore. Travis Marshall is the least believable and least threatening Big Bad yet. The only plot line or character I'm interested in anymore is Lewis. I hope you and your listeners are right, and the writers are prepping him for something big next season. Thanks Yvette. Honestly, I don't think they're going to go down the road of Deb genuinely thinking she has feelings for Dexter any more than purely brother-sister love. It's inconceivable. I had a very strong instant reaction to what happened, and I think I probably conveyed that in the review section. But now I've slept on it a couple of times. I think it was just a shocking plot device to mess with Deborah's head. I don't know why they needed to do this specifically. They could have messed with her head in <laughs> in less controversial ways. But I'm assuming it serves a greater purpose, or at least it had better. <laughs> one thing's for sure, it's certainly got us talking about the show. Although well, we talked about it anyway, but you know what I mean, it's got us talking about it. And as for Lewis, all indications now seem to point to Lewis going on to next season, which I welcome.
2: Hi, Gareth, it's Dave in Ohio calling about uh, episode 11. Uh, talk to the hand. Uh, I'm not sure where I'm going to end up on the spectrum of who likes it and who doesn't? I'm going to say uh, at the end of the day, I am looking forward to the season finale, so therefore the episode did its job and overall a good episode. My problems with it, I guess, uh, the things I didn't like as much, aren't so much with the episode itself, but the season. One of the reasons I like Dexter so much is the writers and producers and showrunners have always done such a good job of having multiple arcs, plot plot lines, plot arcs, character arcs, going throughout the season. And while some of them are dipping, some of them are peaking, uh, some are just starting to come up and others are winding down, and they do a really good job of having that mix throughout uh, the season. So while one new character arc is starting the other one's winding down and another one's peaking and that what that's what made each individual episode uh in previous seasons so good was that dynamic that was kind of missing and i think it in this episode and the previous one especially so that was sort of my comment last time about uh, the, the the cards being all out of order i liked all the lines all the uh all the plot elements going on in here. Uh, The LaGuardia Matthews thing, that was really good. Just the timing of it, I I don't know. Uh, The Lewis uh, storyline and plot, I'm really enjoying that. Gosh, I just wish they would have done more with it, developed it more, introduced it earlier. So I guess that's still my, my complaint. But like I say, I'm looking forward to the finale. So good episode. Only problem is Worst season in Dexter history was the dream sequence that Deb had uh, after talking to her psychologist about her possibly being in love with Dexter in a non-brother-sister way. Ah, gosh, they were doing so good with that story arc of Deb and, and, and breaking down her blind spot towards Dexter, and they just threw that in out of nowhere. Uh, I just, I don't know. We'll see where it goes. We'll see what happens. Uh, Maybe it's a way to build up her blind spot again. But in in my opinion, all that's done so far is lead to the absolute worst scene ever in Dexter history. Um, Especially when you contrast it with scenes from season two where Dexter has decided he's going to turn himself in and he needs to tell Deb that he's the Bay Harbor Butcher. And he goes through... Uh, the whole thing in his mind of her reactions, her, you know, four, three or four or five different reactions, which was just hilarious. That was such good comic relief on such a serious plot line. This was just awful. Um, looking forward to the season finale, and we'll see how it all all hashes out then. Thanks. Thanks, Dave. <laughs> it's great,
0: you know, <laughs> I love doing this podcast. You seem very reasonable about the season. Very chilled out. And you seem to have taken quite a few steps back. Uh, and you've just got your own perspective on things. And I like that. You seem to be enjoying the season and accepting it for its its flaws. Um, although you seem to share mine and everyone else's opinion that the turn that the season took with the Deborah Dexter thing my goodness me the psychiatrist thing with Deborah I had also been enjoying the deconstruction of a character was fascinating and then the shrink goes and takes this massive leap now I can see in the scope of the show it will probably end up serving a purpose to screw with her head but I don't know Was it a natural step for a psychiatrist to take? Well, I would argue probably not. She certainly lost Deborah's trust there, didn't she? And wound her up and made her angry. And I know psychiatrists do, probably a technique, a regular technique, is to try and provoke and maybe say some very blunt things to provoke there patient into considering things they hadn't considered before maybe oh but really i don't know the dream sequence the noodle scene (laughs) (laughs) said maybe it's (laughs) the worst dexter scene ever yes quite possibly (laughs) but you made some other very good observations the laguerta matthews thing It's been decent filler, really, this season. Um, I've not minded it. LaGuerta doing what she does best, winding everybody up, us included. She's always been best when she's been an antagonist. Um, She's a character maybe we love to hate. And I still think, as I'm sure everybody hopes, that she may well meet some sticky end. In fact, it would be nice to just see her, not die, (laughs) but maybe... To be stripped of the power that she holds so dear, and just to be reduced to nothing and uh, sent away in disgrace. That would perhaps be far more fitting than a grisly end. Sandy in Ireland has emailed in to say, I only have two issues with this week's show. When the paramedic warned Dexter about possible side effects like nose during physical exertions, I was like, No, I knew throughout the episode that at the end we were going to see the blood drops at the worst possible time for Dex, and look what happened. You recently went on about the writers spoon-feeding us instead of just letting it flow. This was another example of this. And secondly, it wasn't a double episode. I would have loved to watch a second hour. But anyway, the main reason for me emailing you. This email could have been sent a month ago, and it's still current, I think anyway. A pet hate of mine for the last few months with Dexter is his actual relationship with Harrison. As we know, he's looking to give him a much better life than he had, and that Dexter wanted to be a better father. Yet in most scenes involving Dexter and his son, it involves Dexter running in the door, giving the audience the impression that being a father is a total inconvenience. Like in the last two episodes, Angel's sister is asked to stay longer and babysit Harrison as an example, but I'm sure in most episodes it's the same. I know this is another form of nitpicking but this came into my head at the start of the season and each episode I get madder and madder thinking if you want to be a better dad actually spend time with him. I am actually excited about the final two seasons. I put my hand up and say I was one of those who said that I would have preferred that the the show go out while it's still strong but the last two episodes have changed my mind. I love the fact that Lewis has gone from an add-on character to a possibly next year's villain. The writers really have pulled me back in. As always, I love your podcast. I recently got thanked for recommending your podcast on Twitter. It really is a good passenger to the TV show itself. Roll on next week's episode and the podcast. (laughs) Thanks, Sandy. Your support is appreciated. Yes, the paramedics' lines were very much foreshadowing Dexter, ignoring the medical advice and continuing his hunt for Travis. It was only a question of when would it put him in mortal danger, And good point there about Dexter and Harrison. Yes, he's repeatedly said he wants to be a better father. Yet he's still putting his dark passenger first, time and again. To be fair, the writers have shown us Dexter having nice downtime with Harrison, reading him stories and stuff. We had that seemingly throwaway scene last week that I raised, with Dexter at nursery talking to another dad. And it seemed pretty meaningless at the time. And this week... They're talking about Dexter dressing up as an animal for the Noah's Ark thing at the nursery. So they do tell us, if not show us, that Dexter does do stuff with Harrison. But you're right, he does seem to spend an awful amount of time away from home for his dark passenger, when he could be spending it with his son. Well, they grow up so fast, and these early years are so short and so precious he really needs to find a way to dramatically reduce his need to kill if he's ever going to be a better father. And that brings us back to the theme this season of light and dark, and Dexter's exploration of whether he has light in him. Like you, Sandy, I also didn't want the show to outstay its welcome and bow out while it was still strong. Inevitably, like with any show, not every season can be top notch. Every show has its weaker times or less interesting storylines, even classics like The Wire, but like you, I'm excited for the finale, and especially for the next two seasons, now that we know the writers have an end
4: date.
1: You're listening to Dissecting Dexter. Is that serious shit?
4: Hi, uh... hey, Garrett. i from Pittsburgh. I'm uh, just going to say that it looks like our hopes for uh, a Season 7 Lewis plotline uh, that, that might have uh, some hope um, since... By the end of episode eleven, Travis is still alive and well and um I really don't think we have time to wrap up Travis and Lewis's well, uh story next episode. Uh I certainly hope they don't wrap it up because we saw Travis sorry, not Travis, we saw Lewis doing some pretty um uh, mysterious things. Uh one Redditor, uh by the username, one two three, not it. Um was doing a little freeze frame research, and figured out that when Lewis was drawing on um, the um the mannequin's hand, he was highlighting um like palm reading lines, and he drew them all in black except for two lines um the line of life and the line of fate, which um as he puts it is pretty fucking ominous. <laughs> So um, my prediction would be Travis is wrapped up, 25, 30 minutes in. We get some Dexter, Deb, alone time next season. Uh, no, sorry. Travis gets go 25, 30 minutes in. Dexter, Deb, alone time. And then probably a Dexter opening the box, seeing the hand, Cliff Hanner for season seven. That would be my prediction as far as that goes. Um, And then one more note, um, which I I found myself thinking uh, after the episode and uh, having a good laugh about it. Um, The writers, when referring to season six, uh, they always tease that the season have big revelations for Deb as far as her relationship with Dexter goes. And I'm pretty sure all of us Guessed that that would mean she was finally going to find out the season. Um, that none of us are sitting there thinking Dad's going to learn that she loves Dexter. Because, well, man, I I don't buy that storyline. Uh, a, a lot of people are calling this the jumping the shark moment. I'm not I'm not going to get there, but because I can understand to some extent. Deb has confused feelings. Uh, It will help jump the shark if Dexter returns said feelings. Uh, I certainly hope he doesn't. Uh, This whole Deb-loving Dexter thing kind of seems forced, to me at least. Um, The psychologists really seem to be jumping huge gaps that, I don't know, I'm not a professional, but, (laughs) worst psychologist ever. Alright, that's all I have to say for this week.
0: Nice to hear from you again, Ken, thanks. I'm very interested that you talked about the, what's the word, palmistry that we saw this week with Lewis drawing a couple of lines in a different colour on the prosthetic hand, And you say that the lines in question represent life and fate. Yes, very ominous indeed. (laughs) I'm not quite sure what that means yet, but it certainly adds another element of interest, shall we say, to the whole Lewis storyline. Now what I find interesting, just something that, that comes to mind while I'm thinking of Lewis here, if he is to play the big bad next season, or at least have a major part to play, It's interesting and perhaps commendable to the producers that they've not cast a familiar face in the role. We've seen big bads before, played by recognisable actors. You know, I don't need to list them here, you know the people I mean. And this year was no exception. And it's, well, I think it's a brave move by the creators if Lewis is to be a big bad guy next year. ...or certainly have a, a major part to play... ...that he's not played by someone more recognisable. And maybe that plays into the... ...I guess the the fact that he's been a slow burn this season... ...and we've not until more recently had great suspicions about him. He was originally just this computer geek. He has kind of just slid into our... ...just just slid into things, slid, slid onto our radar... Uh, No, I'll rephrase that. He's kind of wheedled his way into our suspicions. He's kind of flown in under the radar. That's what I wanted to say. (laughs) He flew under the radar for a while, certainly insofar as our suspicions in the wider scheme of things. Actually, looking on imdb.com, the actor who plays Lewis Green, Josh Cook, he has had a lot of work, actually. Um, He's been in a lot of different films and TV shows, but from what I can see, nothing... especially long-term or high-profile. So, um, I don't know. Maybe this will be his his big break.
2: (laughs) This is the Dissecting Dexter podcast. It doesn't matter what I do. Born in blood.
3: Both of us. Hey, Gareth. This is Travis. And I think I'm keeping it real short. I think. Uh, I really liked this episode. Uh, maybe despite myself, I I really liked it. I think the only bad part, the only part that made me roll my eyes and groan, was Dexter sending the video text, quote unquote, to to Travis. Uh, I thought that was you know a little corny because I don't know if those really even exist in real life. And plus, you know, like, oh come on, are you really gonna send uh this message to this fool who uh, is getting investigated by? The police, and now potentially uh, the federal government with Homeland Security. And then, plus, I I didn't know that uh, Dexter had his real phone number. You know, I was confused about that. Uh, But, you know, whatever. I think that was the only really corny part of that. I really dug the episode. Uh, You know, for Lewis, what's going on with our boy Lewis? There wasn't a lot on the Loomy front this episode, but uh, just Lewis himself, you know, as soon as he told Dexter that thing about, like, oh, I'm done sitting on the sidelines, I was like, oh. Oh shit, Dex! Who will you? Who, how'd you? What are you doing now, Dexter? But uh, I don't know. It's uh, real interesting. I'm not entirely sure that he knows Dexter's a killer. This might be a coincidence. He's certainly obsessed with Dexter, but I don't know if he knows Dexter's a killer. But uh, yeah, I was sad to see Matthews leave. Although Matthews has really sort of just been like a pain in the ass character the past few seasons. Uh, I really, I always kind of liked Matthews for a weird reason. I used to have a girlfriend that had a crush on him, and of course I wasn't—I'm not the jealous type, so I didn't care that she had a crush on this on this person. But it just always—I was always fond of him because of that. Because for some reason, she had a crush on this old asshole from Dexter. But so I, I thought that was cute, and so it's kind of sad to see him leave. I'm assuming this is the last time we're going to see him. worked uh, is a bigger bitch than ever, but uh, Dexter's kind of been off of the religion angle since. I don't know, maybe Nebraska, the episode Nebraska. But I kind of see how they're going to tie it all back together with Dexter floating in the water and whatnot. And he says something like, oh, you know, I used to be... I thought I knew where I was, but now I'm so lost. You know, of course, at the time, I think he was talking about, uh... He was lost in the ocean. He didn't know where he was in relationship to the shore. But, uh, you know, I think... I think I can kind of see where they're getting with uh the religious thing. I don't know. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. But, um of course the the big part of the episode was uh Deb Deb's latent feelings for Dexter that during that whole scene where they ended up kissing, I was like, "Please be a dream sequence you know I think all of us were like, "Oh my gosh, what the hell and I was hoping it was a dream sequence and then when he went in for the kiss, I was like all right this is this is clearly a dream and fortunately, I was right, but uh yeah, I'm not upset by this storyline. I know a lot of people are or will be upset by it uh they think it's kind of ridiculous or out of character. Uh, I don't really think it's that bad. I mean, I can't, I certainly have never had the hots for my sister. Uh, well, I am blood related to her, but, you know, I think uh, Dexter and and Deb certainly are close. And I think maybe the part of the reason I'm not so freaked out about this is because I don't think they're going to to go through with it. I mean, this is certainly Deb is freaked out about it. She's not embracing this idea. And I really don't think Dexter's gonna go along with it. So maybe that's why I don't I'm not upset because I don't think that uh they're gonna pull the trigger with this thing. Uh but then again, I never thought they'd kill Rita in season four. I thought that's the last thing they'd do, so who knows? The writers have done dumber things. Um But I don't know. All I know is however it's gonna end, it's gotta be Shakespearean in scope, man. Deb reminds me of like Ophelia from Hamlet or something. Like, man, she's gonna be messed up. If if she's gotten you know, she's got a crush on her brother, and then, or she finds out he's a serial killer, like, damn, Deb, man, I, I feel sorry for you.
0: Thanks, Travis. Good voicemail as always, mate. And you raise, as always, uh, a variety of good points. The video text thing, um, I guess, multi- well, multimedia messages are, are quite commonplace, aren't they? So I'm, I, I don't know. I don't know whether... I, I, I certainly didn't call into question the um, plausibility of sending a video text. But it was a big risk by Dexter and arguably extraordinarily reckless on his part and leaves him potentially very exposed. I was a little bit interested, (laughs) actually I was more than interested, to hear that an ex-girlfriend of yours had a crush on Matthews. What the hell? What were you doing with this girl? (laughs) Now I'm pulling a leg, of course, but uh, certainly the first time I've heard of anyone having a crash on Matthews. Dexter, yes. <laughs> Matthews, hmm, not so. <laughs> I'm not so sure this is the last time we'll see him. I think he'll be back next week or maybe back next season to exert his revenge on, on probably Captain or no, it'd be Deputy Chief LaGuerta, wouldn't it? <laughs> uh, you mentioned Dexter saying how lost he is at the end there. Um, yes, he he could be on on the one hand referring to him being lost in the middle of the ocean. Uh, I think he was speaking more metaphorically and talking about the bigger picture, which would certainly make sense in the scope of the season. And uh, you mentioned the dream sequence. You're lucky that you called it as a dream before the uh, kiss happened. Um, <laughs> I didn't. I was. I just had this rising panic. Uh, within me that um, kind of blinded me to reason <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> oh dearie me that was, oh no no <laughs> but no, I, regarding the whole incest thing as I've talked about I, I agree with you I have to think they're not actually going to go through with it and that it serves a, a, a more it serves a greater purpose and that they're just trying to screw with Deborah, and it's going to lead on to something else. Something a bit more, <laughs> a bit more tasteful.
2: Yeah,
0: <laughs> Final email this week is from our friend Ian in Bristol here in England. Who says, apologies, no time for a call this week, but here are my initial thoughts. A good episode again, but spoiled by the cliched Dexter gets caught by the serial killer twist. This has been done so many times now that it's the expected outcome. The only possible twist that I can see from here is that he doesn't get himself free, but is saved by someone else. Perhaps Deb comes to her brother's help. It would be a good showdown between Travis and Debs, and a good opportunity for Deb to see what Dexter does on his nights off. The painting of the devil with Dexter's face should lead Debs to know that Dexter is at risk. But why should Travis choose Dexter? Is it just because he saved the police station from a gas attack, or is there something else? I really don't like the storyline raised by the psychiatrist about Deb falling in love with Dexter. This just doesn't feel right and is making me feel uncomfortable. I hope this gets killed quickly. The Matthews, LaGuerta, Deb storyline has been closed quickly. I wonder if Matthews has gone for good. LaGuerta has really shown herself to be a political animal and very devious. Deb must be feeling very unsafe at the moment. Will she and Dexter be able to control LaGuerta? Maybe a good storyline for the next series. Finally, what was Lewis writing on the Ice Truck Killer's hand? I assume this will be delivered at the end of the next episode as a cliffhanger for Series 7. Thanks, Ian. You're right, it is a bit of a Dexter cliche, getting nabbed by the serial killer. It has been done before, and I'm sure they'll do it again. Uh, well, I guess <laughs> we just kind of have to let that wash over us, it's Dexter after all. Um, The twist that you predicted, uh, that Dexter doesn't get himself free but is saved by someone else... He obviously did get free of the boat, but he's well. Last we saw him there, he's bobbing about in the ocean. Who knows how far offshore? It could be quite, um, quite a swim, couldn't it? And nobody knows he's there. So uh, Travis thinks he's dead, presumably blown up. Um, So I don't know how he gets out of that one. The the only thing I can think is that he suddenly becomes an expert long distance swimmer and makes it back on his own, you know, under his own steam. I raised in my review the question of the painting of the devil and the fact that Travis put Dexter's face on it. He seemed to be doing that in some random house. It looked like he'd killed the occupants and was sort of holed up there. So I don't know how soon they're going to discover that. Although that said, I would predict it will be the next episode. (laughs) Uh, Because I don't imagine they're still going to be investigating DDK in season 7. I don't know, maybe that couple are reported missing or the gas man comes to read the meter or you know something like that and they discover the bodies and then the painting. But yeah, completely they, they're going to be questions and Deb's question is going to be how the hell did Travis, why did he choose to put Dexter's face on there? Obviously we know why, uh, but she's not going to know so you know, it's going to be a valid question, isn't it? The other three areas you touch in your email, we've kind of covered uh, in this section already, um, but you know, they're all valid points to raise. Uh, So, uh, yeah, thanks very much, Ian. Good to hear from you again, and uh, hope to hear from you after the finale.
1: You're supposed to preserve the crime scene, asshole. (laughs) This is the Dissecting Dexter podcast. Keep up to date with the show on Twitter. Follow at Dissect Dexter.
0: your feedback for this week thanks one and all as always uh, if you want to call in you're more than welcome in the US the listener line is 646 222 6122 and in the UK it's 0844 579 6949 and with the UK number excuse me sorry about that you enter mailbox ID 08320 you could also email me an mp3 file or iphone voice recording or some other media format and i'm sure i'll be able to incorporate that into the podcast as i do with travis he always sends me uh, it seems like an iphone recording so that's all fine uh email it to dissecting at gmail.com where of course you could also email me fancy that there's also twitter at dissect dexter or my personal Twitter, which is at Gareth UK. And as I've mentioned, there's the Facebook page. Jump onto Facebook and search for Dissecting Dexter, and you'll find it.
2: Next time on Dissecting Dexter.
0: OK, here's your spoiler-free, well... Spoiler-free, apart from the episode title, (laughs) your spoiler-free preview for next week's episode, which is purely my own speculation, based on what we already know about the show. I've not read any synopsis for next week. The next episode, the finale for season six, is entitled, This is the Way the World Ends. So, presumably, (laughs) our friend Travis is going to proceed with whatever his own finale is. Happy in the knowledge that he's got rid of Dexter, of course we know otherwise, don't we? And I suspect Dexter's going to be more than a little pissed about being left out in the ocean. How he gets back to shore, though, I don't know. We know he's a man of many talents, and maybe long-distance swimming is one of them. Michael C. Hall said we have to suspend our disbelief sometimes, and I agree with that, but would say, yes, we can suspend disbelief, but within reason. One listener speculated that Travis would be done by the middle of the episode. Or specifically, I think they said the first 20 minutes. I can see that happening. With the rest of the episode being spent on Deb, her messed up head and maybe a revealing conversation between her and Dexter, with the finish, the last scene, maybe being something to do with Lewis. Although, of course, the opening of the box, we know what's going to be in it. It's not like a climax of seven moment. But if Lewis really is playing with Dexter for some Greater purpose, perhaps some major connection to Brian Moser, then if he's as clever as he seems to be, he'd protect himself by leaving evidence somewhere safe so that if something happened to him, maybe the evidence could then be opened. That way, Dexter couldn't just deal with him in a permanent way. But maybe that's something for next season. We all seem to feel the same way that the Lewis Ark has become much more interesting than DDK now which does seem to be fizzling out, really. One listener made a fair point that Colin Hanks does not cut a very intimidating villain. He's a decent enough actor, I think, and the character is undoubtedly insane. But he's not a very frightening foe, is he? Not like, say, Trinity, who, despite his age, was a very canny and dangerous man. Travis just doesn't come across as formidable at all. But in the broad scope of the show... The most interesting aspect to me currently is what they do with Deb. She's reeling a bit or reeling quite a bit from Dr Ross's ridiculous suggestion and I am intrigued to see what effect it has on her. She's not going to love her brother any less nor is it going to make her rely on him less. Hey, let's repeat the mantra. Trust the show. Trust the show. Okay, as we draw to a close for another week, very quickly... Two or three announcements. Next week's podcast will be a gathering of friends of the podcast, hopefully. I'm in contract negotiations with two or three well-known names to the podcast. Uh, we'll have a chat about the finale and the season in general. Uh, but although that's a break from the usual format, do keep your feedback and comments coming in. I will do a dedicated Season 6 finale feedback show, hopefully between Christmas and New Year. If not, then the first week back after New Year. Uh, So please do keep your thoughts coming in. After that, I shall be doing a top five highlights, top moments of season six. I did it for season five, it was a lot of fun, and I'm going to do it again. But I need your help, of course. So please start having a think about, maybe draw up a little short list of what your favourite moments of the season might be. Uh, Leave a gap or two for the finale, because something tells me there might be a couple of potential nominees uh, in the finale this weekend uh, and once once you're done fire it over to me at the usual address dissectingdexter at gmail.com and I shall collate your top five moments of the season uh, when you do send in your shortlist if you could please include uh, perhaps, well if possible the episode name or the episode number just to help me isolate uh, that particular highlight and um, you know, I'll, I'll include a few audio clips as i did last year and uh, that'll be a lot of fun i'm sure okay so that's it from me for this week thanks very much for your support join me again next week hopefully with friends in tow (laughs) and we'll all dissect some more dexter together until then take care guys cheers for now